Welcome to the Nerdy Merc, where you will find all things comic books, culture, current events, and the like. This is Jeff, and I am the Nerdy Merc. Make sure you like the podcast, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. If both of the Georgia uh, senators were elected from the Democratic Party, uh, then that would be 50-50 if both Dan Sullivan and Tom Tillis win. 50-50 means there's a tie. But if one senator does not vote on a Democratic side, there is no tie and there is no bill. So I commit to you tonight and I commit to all of your viewers and everyone else that's watching. I want to lay those fears, I want to rest those fears for you right now because when they talk about whether it be packing the courts or ending the filibuster, I will not vote to do that. I will not vote to pack the courts, I think, (laughs) and I will not vote to end the filibuster. Okay, I'm not really sure who that was giggling there at the end. I promise you it was not me. did sound like my voice, though. But who you heard speaking was Democrat Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. Now, Joe Manchin is kind of an interesting cat. He comes from West Virginia, which is a very, very conservative state, yet he somehow keeps getting elected. How does he keep getting elected? By mostly acting as a moderate. Now, yeah, he did go ahead and vote with the side of impeachment, which we I was kind of surprised on that one. But more or less, that's that's fairly accurate. Now, he does kind of do some more Democrat-leaning, you know, some left-leaning stuff, but that's, you know, not, not unexpected. But he keeps getting elected because of his status as a moderate. Now, what is he talking about there? He's talking about the... The uh, uh, the Senate race, as of right now, Republicans hold a 50 to 48 lead over the Democrats. Well, 50, 46, and two independents that you, you never know which way they're going to. And to be honest with you, I don't know anything about these independents, but a filibuster-proof majority uh, needs to be 51. And there are two seats still up for grabs in the state of Georgia, there will be a runoff election in January. We won't even know until January, until, uh, like, who gets that. But let's say that that the, and you know uh, that that Democrats are going to pump a ton of money back into Georgia. A ton of money. And if they were to win both of those seats, now Republicans only need one seat to hold on to their majority and to prevent all of the more dangerous stuff that's coming down the barrel from the Harris-Biden administration. And at this point, come on, it is the Harris-Biden administration. But to to prevent the more dangerous stuff from coming down the barrel and, and, to, and to allow Mitch McConnell to just sit back and prop his feet up on his desk with a cigar and a bourbon and tell uh, Joe Biden to go, or excuse me, Kamala Harris, (laughs) to go pound sand, they need 51. If they have 50-50, who's the tiebreaker? That would be the vice president, which will technically be Kamala Harris until Joe Biden resigns or is deemed unfit. And that is huge what senator manchin just vowed to do now i got to imagine that uh senator schumer and nancy pelosi are just going out of their skulls right now at at what he says like look 
I'm not in favor of packing the court. I'm not in favor of ending the filibuster. I'm not in favor of doing this and that and advancing your social or your socialist agenda. No, I'm not in favor of that. So even if there is a 50-50 split, there still won't be a a, a filibuster-proof majority in uh, of Democrats in the Senate if Joe Manchin keeps to his word. And let's see here. Now, this was in a an interview with Brett Baer. He says, I commit to you tonight, and I commit to all of your viewers and anyone else, anyone else who's watching when they're talking about packing the courts or ending the filibuster, I will not vote to do that. Brett, this system, this Senate is such a unique body in the world. It is made to work together in a bipartisan way. And once you start breaking down those barriers, you lose everything. He continues on, I'm a proud, moderate, conservative Democrat. That sounds like an oxymoron or a contradiction of words at the very least. These days, anyway, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, yeah, but... Not now. And he said, maybe there's not many of us left, but I can tell you uh, what this country wants is moderation. Oh, he's, he's right there. He's absolutely correct there. It was wrong for this many people to be split, for us not to be able to have a mess that didn't scare the bejesus out of people. And when you're talking about basically the Green New Deal and all this socialism, that's not who we are as a Democratic Party. You know what, Senator Manchin? I disagree. That is who the Democratic Party is. That is absolutely who they are. And the moderates, whether it be in the House or the Senate, are sometime in the next two years, four years, six years, going to have to make a decision whether or not they want to stay with, with the craziness that is going on. So, um, that's awesome. Hopefully, the, hopefully, in, in, in case the worst happens in Georgia, when I say the worst, you know, I mean, Democrats get both seats and there's a 50-50 split between down the middle. If the worst happens, I truly hope he does keep to his word. Um, I, I don't have any reason to, to suspect or believe that he won't. And this actually gives me a little bit of hope because... I'm telling you, I'm actually going through the Joe Biden gun plan, and I'm writing a paper. It's going to go on to the www.nerdymerk.com. I am barely past the second paragraph, and I'm having a hard time keeping this paper under two pages. Now, I'm talking about, like, I'm reading, and I'm, I'm breaking it down point by point, and I'm already past about two pages. Now, hopefully, a lot of the stuff that I've currently already written will cover stuff that comes later. Um, we'll just have to see. What you just heard was me pulling it out and looking at it. So, uh, look for that to come in the next few days, and then in the following weeks, a a writing about the uh, Biden-Sanders, yes, Sanders, as in Bernie Sanders, the socialist in, like, the number one socialist in the Senate, uh, you know what? He's not a socialist. He's a communist. I mean, who who takes their wife to Moscow on their honeymoon? Hmm? Who does that? I don't know anybody who does that. And now, keep in mind, their honeymoon was a long time ago. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, good news out of West Virginia with Senator Manchin. I hope he, I hope he, uh, he sticks to that. I hope he keeps his word. You're listening to the Nerdy Merc. 
This music can only mean one thing. It's time to talk about The Mandalorian. As promised, I am holding true to my original intent, which is to talk about the previous episode on the day the new episode is dropped. So, if you have not watched last last week's episode of The Mandalorian, which I believe is called The Passenger, I suggest you go ahead and skip the next few minutes because that's what I'm talking about. So, Mendo, as, if you recall last week, he uh, he helped slay the crate Dragon and uh, ended up with Boba Fett watching on as he rode off on his speeder. Well, he starts off, continues straight from there. It's kind of ambushed a little bit by some other bounty hunters and defeats him. Makes his way back to Moss Eisley and that mechanic that he likes, who has a job for him. Now, this job is ferrying a passenger to a nearby star system at sublight. Now, I don't know how they're able to do that. This seems to defy physics to me. But they're able to do it somehow. And the reason they have to go sublight is because this passenger is kind of like a human frog and has eggs. And if you go light speed with those eggs, apparently they die. Well, Mando was very resistant to the idea, didn't like it because, you know, according to him, uh, light speed traveling fast was the only thing keeping him alive. Ended up uh, being flagged down by some uh, New Republic X-Wing fighters, and they uh, challenged him because they're like, hey, you remember oh, you remember the, the episode last season where they broke that Twi'lek out of that New Republic prison? Well... His, his freighter was identified, you know, or was, you know, possibly identified as possibly the one that was used in that, in that prison breakout. So he runs from him, ends up on like some sort of ice planet like Hoth, crashes down into this cave, um, has for the moment avoided the, the X-Wings, but, you know, now they have a whole different problem that there's a big gaping hole in the side of his ship. And he's like, I don't know what to do. So the frog lady, who doesn't speak any sort of basic or Huttese or any language Mando speaks, uh, hijacks or hardwires the, uh, um, the, the bounty hunter droid that he killed and uses his universal translator to speak to him. He's like, hey, Mandalorian, isn't it part of your code to finish the job or die trying? And he'd kind of given up. Because he's like, what do you want me to do? I can't fix this ship. I don't know how to, you know, we're screwed. And she she awakens that that part of him that is like, okay, you're right. I need to do this. So he goes outside and he starts trying to figure out what he can do to fix this ship. Next thing you know, Baby Yoda is kind of crying. Oh, yeah, by the way, Baby Yoda is also eating her eggs. <laughs> it's freaking hilarious. And that's a whole different issue that I'm going to talk about here in a second. But the um, uh, so Baby Yoda comes around like, eh, 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 and he's like, what's going on? He, he switches on his thermals and sees that his frog lady passenger has left the ship. Remember, it's ice. I mean, she's like an amphibian, so she's got to deal, you know, she has to have warmth. And he goes into a cavern, you know, probably a few hundred feet away from the ship and finds her in what, in, in like a hot spring. And she's just kind of like chilling in the warmth. She has her eggs, the ones that Baby Yoda hasn't eaten. And that's never even addressed other than by the Mandalorian. And 
the eggs are in the, the springs and she's just kind of warm and, and, and Mando's like, I can't protect you here. And in the meantime, Baby Yoda's off and he finds his little egg pod looking thing. It straight looks like an egg out of aliens, just smaller and white. And he kind of rips open the top and starts eating the yellow stuff on the inside. And, and so I'm, I'm watching this and I'm like, whoa, uh, who do those eggs belong to? Because they definitely look like eggs. Then next thing you know, the rest of them start hatching and these spider-like creatures come out. And Baby Yoda's like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> and at this time, the Mandalorian's helping the frog lady gather up her eggs and put her back in the put them back in the containment tank. And that's when, oh crap, they notice all these little spider things coming out. And of course, out of the woodworks, there come bigger ones and bigger ones and bigger ones. And then the big one. I mean, it was straight out of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. You remember when Ron and Hermione, or not Ron and Hermione, Ron and Harry were uh, meeting with Aragog and determining that Hagrid wasn't uh, wasn't the heir of Slytherin? Yeah, it was straight copied out of that scene. So the only difference was there wasn't a flying car that came and rescued him. And the the the, the episode ended with man with Mandalorian and Baby Yoda and Frog Lady all getting back to the ship, and he's just blasting, blasting, blasting. Spiders are inside the ship, and they all were able to seal themselves in the cockpit. He's like, okay, we're just gonna try to do what we can to get out of here. And then Big Aragog thing, who was presumed to be dead for a second, lands on top of the ship and they can't go anywhere and it ends with the x-wing pilots coming and blasting that thing to high heaven saving the day and he's like hey was that you that did that prison breakout and he's like maybe he's like our records also show that you did whatever you could to help the guard to help you know prevent him from dying and i'd actually forgotten that about the episode the prison breakout one and the pilot goes you know these are trying times man Turn your transponder on next time, and maybe we don't have to go through all this. And the X-wing pilots leave. They let him go because he he did what he could to prevent the death of their one live guard on that station. Um, and, well, it didn't really. He actually saved his life. So that is the recap of last uh, uh, last week's Mandalorian. Definitely look forward to the one dropping today, and I will be talking about that next week. But that does lead us into. A bit of craziness. From the sun. And I don't know anything about the sun. They look like a entertainment type publication. Egg Streamly. Get it? Egg Streamly. Naughty. The Mandalorian fans horrified as Baby Yoda eats aliens' babies. But does this theory explain why he did it? And I don't care about the theory. What caught my eye was that people are losing their minds about a fictional alien creature eating another fictional alien creature's eggs. Come again? In English, please. I'm sorry, Ron Burgundy. I thought that was speaking English. So, apparently, you know, and, and I mentioned this during the show. Now, to be fair, Baby Yoda ate a lot of the eggs. I'm not even joking. I Probably half of this lady's eggs. It was, it was actually quite a bit of comedic relief because he just popped in his mouth and... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like, oh my God, wow, what the hell are you doing? And of course, Mando was like, no, no, no. And like a, you know, in true toddler fashion, he understood nothing and kept eating. 
and throughout the entire episode. And the, the, the show even ended on the note of him eating one of these eggs. So it just kept going and going. From TV line, there was a a survey you could take. Uh, TVline.com. Have you forgiven Baby Yodi yet, or was his egg gobbling innocent? And vote. And here's the options. So, uh, first off, it said, uh, do you think Baby Yoda knew how precious the frog lady's eggs were? That's neither here nor there. But the second question was, did Baby Yoda's snacking on frog eggs taint your view of him? And the options are, yes, very much so, somewhat, not at all, or heck, I like him more now. I think you know which way I voted. It's, it's just utterly ridiculous. We are, we are, we are... It's to the point where Lucasfilm had to actually defend Baby Yoda. Lucasfilm had to defend a fictional character eating the offspring of another fictional character in a fictional uh, TV show set in a galaxy far, far away and a long time ago, but yet somehow in the future. And it's just utterly ridiculous that we're even there as a society. Come on, people. It's a TV show. It's entertainment. Why have we come to the point where people are defending their works of fiction when it's just it's ridiculous? It's utterly ridiculous. Well, that's the end of this segment. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, give me a call, 317-978-NERD. That's 317-978-6373. Find me on all the social medias or go to the website, www.nerdymerc.com. Make sure you stick around for the next segment and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.